Hearing a lot of clamor around climate change and building sustainability, the Concrete Credentials podcast cuts through the noise on the future of sustainable, affordable, resilient construction. Join us for the start of Season 2 with all new guests and discussions on the fascinating, innovative tech solutions that'll carry us into the future. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show. All about golf, from putting to driving, from hooks to whatever. Now, here's your host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, Rich Stiles. Welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Bridgestone Golf. Try the Tour B Ball today by the club at Sea Palms. By RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic going on now. Giving back to our community. And by Club Car the leader in sport utility and personal vehicles. On the show, we're going to talk with Todd Thompson, the tournament director of the RSM. Also talk about his son, who just completed his rookie year on the PGA Tour, Davis Thompson. And then we're also going to talk to Dr. Mo about his experience at the Ryder Cup and how to play seaside and plantation. And maybe this year we may have a local win the tournament. And speaking of RSM, we're talking with Andy Bosman, the Chief Marketing Officer for RSM. And Andy, welcome back to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate you having me. And this sounds like a great show. I may have to stick around for all this here today. Well, I feel a little late getting out of the course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I cannot believe that this is year 14. That makes two of us, Rich. But how awesome is it? It's pretty cool. I mean, it really is. Um, and you're here for the whole week. Um, you've got a busy week. You've got pro-ams. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, what's going to go on this week as far as from your standpoint with RSM. Yeah, you know, it's this really is a special week and from so many standpoints. I mean, yes, throughout the week, we've got our Monday program, we've got our Wednesday program. We'll have about 250 of our clients coming through, which is wow. such a special opportunity to introduce them to the Golden Isles, many of whom have never been here, but I guarantee you they'll be back. Yeah. Um, but Rich, as you know, from, from our past conversations, uh, the thing I look forward to most are all the different things we're doing related to charity and the different stories and the different opportunities to give back and the, the PGA Tour Wives Wiffle Ball Tournament or Wiffle Ball Game on Tuesday and the charity putting event uh, Wednesday afternoon and just some other special things throughout the week that really just get back to the heart of RSM and the Davis Love Foundation and Sea Island about giving back to our communities. And you have, over the past 13 years, raised over $35 million. Do you think that uh, this year you might hit the big 4-0? You know, I'm going to be very disappointed if that number doesn't start with a 4 after this year. Um, Knowing the passion and the energy our national leaders and our teams have put in, I'm expecting we're going to we're going to jump over that four number. Now, that's incredible. I mean, that's a wonderful thing, not only for the tournament and being such a small market, that's a huge amount of money to be able to give back to charities. You know, it really is. And, and Rich, what really strikes me the most, and, and I would share with all of your listeners, um, and that's a wonderful number. But it's the 500s here. And honestly, the hundred. It's the small amounts that at the end of the day for the individuals we're impacting makes such a huge difference. And when we think back to that, you know, that number and getting over 40 million at a point here, there's more than 450 charities across the U.S. and Canada, including here in the Golden Isles, that have been impacted by that. And when I can't even imagine the number of individuals and that that's really the cool part to me, whether it's the Boys and Girls Club, the Special Olympics, um, the Firebox Fund, just other other organizations here that benefit from it. And you see the difference it makes, and it's it's truly humbling. Yeah, it really is. And many of your RSM players are also going to be here for the tournament. 
you know, I think we got them all this year. So, yeah, um, obviously Davis and Zach, uh, Chris Kirk, who's had just a, a wonderful year, a great, um, great to see him running back up the leaderboards. And then Kyle Westmoreland uh, will also be here uh, coming off his rookie season here on the PGA Tour. Which is incredible. Let's talk about you have a contract through 2025. Have yes, you sir. had any discussions with the PGA Tour, with Davis, with your group about what happens after that? Um, I, we've had conversations. Obviously, we speak frequently with Davis and Mark and Todd. Um, we, we care so much about this event. Uh, we love our partnership with the Love Foundation. Um, the impact we've had on charities, you and I have talked about, and we can think of nothing we would rather do than continue to be involved in giving back. Um, I wouldn't say we've, we've spoken specifically to the tour yet. I think they know there's a mutual interest. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement in the tour right now, and a lot of that just needs to kind of work its way through so we can make sure that the impact um, is aligned with what we want to do. But you know, our commitment to the Golden Isles, um, we don't expect that to change. That's great. I mean, a lot of people will be thrilled to know that we will still have a tournament here. Um, I also want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your experience over in Rome during the Ryder Cup, not the outcome that any <laughs> of us wanted, but uh, uh, you had to have such an experience knowing that Zach is part of your team, and he was also the Ryder Cup captain. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, you know what's interesting is um, you can look at the outcome in two ways, and certainly the score was not the score we wanted. But I'll tell you what, watching Zach and the team and how they represented the United States, I couldn't have, I couldn't have asked for a better outcome. So much class, um, dignity, um, how they interacted with the fans out there, how they interacted with each other, with uh, Luke and the European team. It was just really cool to watch. And, yeah, just the pride of uh, we had an opportunity Friday to to be in the chaos there on the first tee, which was so cool. Um and to watch Zach and to see him out there and to see his pride in representing our country and to know what it meant to him um, and to think of him as, you know, Team RSM was really cool to be out there. And we thoroughly enjoyed our trip. We enjoyed being there. The hospitality of other folks in Italy was fantastic. And, you know, we're going to get ours overseas here at some point. But um, I couldn't have been prouder of Zach and the team. What are some of the things that maybe we – did not hear about or see that maybe you were uh, familiar with during the Ryder Cup, knowing that you were there with Zach? Um, wow. You know, the the things we see on social media, but we don't fully see behind them is the camaraderie between the teams. Yeah. Um, yes, it is a competition. And Thursday through Sunday, um, they go and they go hard and they compete as we would all expect they would. But when, you know, you have an opportunity just to watch how the teams interact um, during the week, all the things they're doing there in the community, the events they're at, um, how they're interacting with the fans out there during the practice rounds, uh, to see the wives out there having such a great time and the families. And that's the part you just don't see on TV. Uh, my favorite picture from the week is as we were sitting up in the, the stands on the first tee on Friday was um, Zach, Kim, and the kids um, mm -hmm. out on the first tee and taking uh, a family photo there. And when you watch the wives and when you watch their families being there and, um, you know, TV, you see the players. But what you don't see is the entourage walking behind them and along the roofs. It's their, their families. And the pride they have. And it's just so much fun to watch them that, you know, I, I probably spend more time watching that than I do the actual golf. Yeah. Well, I had a chance to talk to uh, Davis the other night at the meet the pros event that we had last week. And mm -hmm. Davis said, you know, we kind of got, well, we got beat first thing on, uh, on, on Friday. And he said, but after that, we, you know, we played pretty good, just not good enough to come back from how far they were down. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's a game and yeah. uh, there's good days and there's bad days. And 
But tell you what, after being out there, um, you don't want to let that machine of the European crowd get going because they're going to ole you to death if you do. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I never hear that word again. (laughs) You know, uh, this year, the RSM kind of takes on a different um, uh, path because it's more important for these players coming up here to the last event to try and make in the top 125, which has changed from what happened last year. That also has got to be exciting. And that, according to when I talked to Todd Thompson, the tournament director, he said that's increased their field quite a bit as far as quality of players. You know, it has. And, um, you know, certainly there's a lot of attention around the, the top 125, um, those guys that fully secure their card for next year. And, you know, there will be some movement, um, folks coming in and folks moving out based on um, their play here at the RSM. Um, you know, in addition to that, what's interesting is you're also watching what's helped our field is getting into that top 50 um, because right. that top 50 – um, also has some exemptions into the some of the early big um, higher profile events that they're running next year, um, as well as uh, you know great stories like Camilla Viegas and his win um, yeah. this past weekend. And yeah. you know here here's a guy who honestly was on the outside looking in, and we were afraid we weren't going to see him at the RSM this year because he was potentially going to have to try to play in a Q school qualifier and. Two phenomenal weeks, almost one, um, and then one in Bermuda. Um, so you see a lot of that movement, and you you know you can't forget winning any PGA Tour event. Um, they get the um, the two year exemption, and right. into the Masters, and into the Sony Tournament of Champions, and there's just a lot that comes with it. So yeah, when you when you look at the top fifty and the top one twenty five, and then some of the other ones. Uh, we're really happy with the field. It's a great group. Um, I tell you, Rich, the thing I love that continues here is we've also got a lot of young players. Um, yeah. You've got a lot of folks who, um, you know, coming off Corn Ferry and they're getting some of their earlier PGA Tour starts here and guys that are, you know, newer to the tour that, you know, we've got a good history of first-time winners here, and it's always exciting. I think Josh Teeter is a good example. Um, you know, lived here in the Golden Isles for a while, um, and Josh has worked his way back onto the tour from the Corn Ferry this year, and he'll be here um, as an exemption this week, and we're excited to see these guys tee it up. Yeah, and I talked to Davis, and he had the Ford uh, twins from UNC, uh, and he said yeah. he was going to try and finagle his way to get them to play with him during the pro-am. That would be kind of cool since he <laughs> also just finished working on Finley, their golf course up at UNC. Yeah. What a great story that is. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Um, tell us about some of the other events that RSM has during this week. Um, not necessarily with your clients, but just during the tournament. Yeah. So we've got, um, you know, I mentioned the charity putting event, which we'll have um, Wednesday afternoon with the boys and girls club. Um, and Special Olympics, which is always one of our favorites. Um, you know, we'll have the uh, Military Appreciation and First Font Responders Appreciation Day on Saturday, which is always such a cool experience. And, in fact, we're out at the uh, the special tent on 9 um, each day during the tournament, um, speaking with a lot of our veterans and first responders and handing out hats and things for them. Um, Sunday is such a cool day because not only um, does a tournament uh, crown a champion and we'll have our toast of the champion following that. Um, it also is a culmination of the Birdies for Love program with the PGA Tour. Um, so we've got, you know, the top 10 guys in that. Eight of them are here. We'll be competing and the guy that finishes off with the most birdies will get $300,000 to donate to a charity or a collection of charities. So just a lot of different cool events throughout the week. And we may have a few tricks up our sleeve. Yeah, you always do. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of something that's very close to your heart, let's talk a little bit about the Aggies. I've seen you post some things on Facebook, and I know that's something that you're really, really proud of. You know, uh, I am. It's, uh, you know, you, you, 
you're wonderful. You ask me every year. Um, you know, as your listeners may know, my daughter um, is now a junior at Texas A&M and the Corps of Cadets. Um, this year, she is um, Sergeant Major Bosman. Um, wow. so she is a sergeant major uh, working with the commanding officer overseeing all the Air Force units down there. And it's, it's so cool, Rich, to watch these young men and women who are in college and are dedicating so much because they want to give back to their country and how they really just focus. And, you know, the college students, they have a good time, but, you know, they're out PTing every morning at 5, 5.30. And um, when you watch the various things that they do at game day and whatnot, it, it really is it's humbling. Um, yeah. It lets you know our country's in great hands. And, yeah, and for my daughter, she, you know, big event. I know you saw on social media, she got her Aggie ring, which yeah. that's yeah. a big deal down there. So we were down there a couple of weeks ago for her to, get her Aggie ring, which they do as juniors and, you know, just to really celebrate the accomplishments of just these incredible young men and women. Yeah, it, it really is. And I know you're proud and uh, we should be proud of all of those that are there, but all those that also serve and give us the opportunity to do what we do, have this tournament and kind of take care of us. But Andy, I yes, can't sir. thank you enough for being with us. You're always a pleasure to talk with. Uh, the tournament will be another great tournament and we're looking forward to it. Well, thank you. And Rich, as always, thank you for your support and everything you do to uh, to bring our story and the story of uh, the RSM and the Davis Love Foundation to all your listeners. We appreciate it. No problem. Andy Bosman, thank you for being with us. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Hi, this is Jay Blasey of Jay Blasey Golf Design, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Welcome back to the Back Nine Boys Golf Podcast. I'm Rich Stiles, and we have on with us Todd Thompson, the tournament director of the RSM Classic. And Todd, thanks for taking time during this busy time of the tournament to be with us. Uh, not a problem. We love, love doing it and love talking about the tournament and uh, what we do over here with RSM. Well, that's a great uh, start because uh, RSM is a great tournament and obviously has been and will be a great partner for y'all. Uh, absolutely. We call them the uh, the best title in, in on the PGA Tour. Uh, we work really well together, uh, both from the standpoint of how we want the event to run, uh, how we donate money to charity. And, um, you know, over 13 years, we're going into year 14 starting next week and uh wow. you know we've donated up through 13 years over 35 million dollars to charity that's incredible i mean i don't think a lot of tournaments that have been around for uh you know a little longer than that have had that opportunity to donate that much money yes sir um very very special to deal with them and they have um really a lot of good philanthropic ideas um, with their birdies for love program and um, you know, last year when we bumped over 35 million, that was um, with them doing over six, six point two or three million. What they did, it was it was incredible. So you're going to possibly get the 40 after this year. Uh, that's news to be determined here uh, in a few days. Uh, I'm not going to steal any thunder, but um, it'll, <laughs> it'll be another good year. Yeah. Um, as far as RSM this year, Todd, and you and I have talked, uh, you know, prior to this interview about the different meaning of getting into the RSM being the last tournament of this season. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and how it's changed. Okay. I'll try to make it as clean and easy as I can with all the changes, but the, yeah. the first, the first number is 125. So if right. a tour player ends the season, which will be our event inside 125 on the FedEx cup point list, they will have a full exemption into 2024. Okay. 2024 will be the first calendar year of the events since the wraparound season started years ago. The other cool um, thing that um, people can follow on on TV during the event and here would be anybody who finishes our event on the FedEx Cup list, 51 through 60, will earn an exemption into the first two signatures event signature events of 2024, which are Pebble Beach and Genesis which are the $20 million purses. Right. Calling all architects, designers, and construction experts. Need a new podcast to keep you up to date on all things building and design? Look no further than Concrete Credentials. Concrete Credentials is your one-stop shop for industry development. 
Looking for new construction technologies? Need guidance on concrete application for your next project? Or maybe you want the latest updates on building codes and standards? Whatever it is, we've got you covered. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that's a big deal. And does that show up in the field that you have as far as those folks that are battling to be in the top 125? I mean, I think so. And, you know, two things. One, our area, as you know, is very uh, blessed with the number of great, great players that live here and train here in St. Simons and Sea Island. Um, secondly, um, I was looking at the world ranking points the other day for our field, and we have 11 in the top 50 coming this year. We only had six last year. Wow. We have, um, I believe it was seven of the top 50 on the in the FedEx. Oh, no, some, sorry. Seven of the top 30 in the FedEx Cup points list. That's pretty incredible. And do you attribute that to the, uh, this new positioning of the RSM and the new PGA Tour schedule? Yeah, it has some to do with it. And, you know, we've always said when we get guys here, they love coming here um, and they'll come back. Uh, you know, the only thing we run up against every year is the uh, DP World Tour, their final um, event of the year, for, similar to our FedEx Cup finals, is also going on the same week. So we do lose a few of the foreign players, but, you know, but heck, we got we got an open champion right here in our backyard that, that'll be playing this year, you know, that and Brian Harmon. Yeah, I mean, talk about a great year for him and his coach, Justin Parsons. And um, I mean, that's awesome. And all the local guys are going to be playing in the, in the uh, tournament. Yes, sir. Uh, the, the only um, I haven't really seen anybody that's not. Um, they're all committed. Um, everybody from Harris to Brian to Keith Mitchell to um, uh, Ben Griffin, uh, Davis Thompson, uh, all of JT Poston. Um, Pat and Kazire, all, all of them are playing this uh, this next week. So it'll be great, great for a hometown crowd. One of the things that I have always wondered is, I mean, the winner has always been, if I can remember the board in your office, between 15 and 21 under. Um, but locally, we've not had one of our guys win. How hard is it for them to play kind of in their home field um, and – their schedule just totally changes. Yeah, I think it does with with friends and family coming in town. Um, you know, they're hosting people at their houses, which you know they're normally staying in a hotel room somewhere or or a VRBO type home at, at another golf tournament. Um, people are asking them for tickets. You know, when they come to town, uh, it's just a different schedule for them. Instead of leaving here, going somewhere. Now the people coming to watch them are coming here to watch them and they're asking for all those things and going to dinner and all that kind of stuff. So it, it does throw them off a little bit, but man, it sure would be great to see a, a hometown player uh, to win, win one year, if not this year. All right, let's go to the exemptions. How many letters, emails, messages, phone calls do you get for people that want to be given an exemption to play in the RSM? I would say on average each year it's roughly 60 guys. Um, every Anywhere from amateurs to um, current PJ Tour members who don't have full status to older PJ Tour members who are kind of in that um, in between end of their career on PJ Tour and getting into Champions Tour, um, all, all the above. A 15-year-old this year <laughs> had a 15-year-old reach out. Really? Yes, yes. Wow. All right. So you've kind of made most of the decisions on the exemptions. How do you and your team kind of gather all the information and what do you look at in order for someone to get an exemption? You know, one, it's not all about how well they play because a lot of guys that do reach out are all really quality, good players. Um, you know, they may have had an injury or just didn't play well the year before. And now they're on, they're not fully exempt, but you know, we look at stories. We look at um, hometown. Um, if they're if they're near here, any connections to the area. Um, like one example, we gave one to Fred Biondi. Played at University of Florida. Their team won the national championship last year. He won SECs on Seaside last year. So, you know, Fred got a spot. Um, gave one to Ben Carr from Georgia Southern, local you know player in the area. Uh, That's kind of cool. Run- yeah, he was a runner-up in the USAM last summer, not in 20, no. 
three, but in 22. Um, and then, like, another example, Ben Coles. Ben Coles just won the money title on the Corn Ferry in 2023, and um, he'll have his uh, full status on you know, in the tour in 2024. But the way the calendar is right now, he's not exempt. He will be next year, but this, you know, so we gave him a spot to get started before 2024 starts. Yeah, and you also gave an exemption to uh, Josh Teeter from Kentucky that used to live here, moved we back did. to Kentucky, but he got in the the top as far as the Corn Ferry Tour to get his PGA Tour card for next year. Yes, he was top 30, so he's got his card and uh, felt like giving him a start. And then one of the other cool stories with a tie-in is um, David Ford won the Jones Cup uh, last winter. Right. And we always give the Jones Cup winner uh, a spot. He goes and play, he plays at University of North Carolina. Well, he's a twin. Well, actually, he's a triplet, but his twin brother, Maxwell, just transferred to North Carolina from uh, University of Georgia and had a great fall. Um, Davis and Mark just finished uh, renovations uh, at Finley Golf Club up in Chapel Hill. So we tied that together, and so we get the twins playing this year uh, under the sponsor exemptions. So that'd be David and Maxwell Ford. So you can come out and watch those guys as well. Yeah, I kind of watched them when they were uh, playing over in uh, St. Andrews, and boy, they can really play. And then watched them at the Atlanta Athletic Club, uh, where UNC was also. Uh, both of them can play. I mean, it's it's just incredible. Yes. So a good right. time there to the University of North Carolina and um, to Davis and, and Mark, who both went there. And um, yeah, yeah, just 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 uh, those are the kind of stories we look for, so that it's bringing attention to the to the tournament. With the main goal, always is how much money can we raise for charity. And I know RSM has been a partner, as you said. You're going into the 14th year um, with all this revamping and going on with the PGA Tour. Can you share with us, because I still have people coming up and saying, is RSM still going to be here? Uh, yes, their contract with us is through 2025 as of right now. Um, so they like what they do. They they like bringing customers and, and guests and their people to, to Sea Island. Um, it's a great experience for them. Um, and they can entertain and, and build business and build relationships. So. Um, you know, they, they love what they do. They love what they do with us, with the foundation. And, um, you know, as of right now, we're through 2025 and I'm, you know, we're always hopeful that negotiations come up where we can extend that contract down the road. And this RSM, besides uh, Davis being the host, it really puts a lot of pressure on his time as far as, um, all the activities and all the things that he has to host and be at um, in bringing the tournament to Sea Island. Of, yeah, of course, but it's Davis. <laughs> he loves doing it. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't say no. He, you know, he loves to show people Southern Soul. I think he's doing a podcast there next week with Rex Hoggard. Um, he loves to show people the island. He loves people to know that the resort is is strong. That St. Simon's community really supports golf. Um, I mean, that, that's why he does it. He and Robin have, have a great thing going where we can have a golf tournament. We can have fun. We can bring people to this area and, and raise and raise money for charities. Yeah, I mean, Davis is pretty involved, and in, uh, a couple times he's also been in contention. But uh, as you say, with all the other things going on, sometimes it's hard to concentrate on the golf course. And speaking of on the golf course, uh, your son, who's also been a Jones Cup winner, has played the last few years. Uh, how would you rate, as his dad, Davis's rookie season? Um, very, uh, you know, I'm very proud of what he's done. I mean, he's he's gone out there in the new world. I mean, he did, he did play Corn Ferry for a year, so you get your feet wet there. But, um, right. you know, he's... He's progressed. Um, he's learning the travel. He's learning um, the golf courses for the first time, you know, the first go around. Um, just getting acclimated. You know, when you come out of college, you're with five or six guys every time you travel. Right. And you come When you come out and you jump out there, um, and if you're single, he, he's married now, but when he first started, he was single. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a different deal. I mean, kind of getting – You've all, you're starting now playing with guys you've watched on TV for years, and now you're a peer, and you're trying to fit in. So, but but he's done well. I'm you know we're very proud of him. Lee and I'm very um, proud of what he's done. 
Uh, he's, he's played great. You know, he's number 74 right now um, in the FedEx Cup numbers. So he has his card for next year, and he has a goal to get in that 51-60. So he'll have to play really well um, during the RSM and see if he can, he can get there. When you and I talked about Davis, and in the beginning, I think you were saying he was being a little bit too aggressive sometimes. Uh, but obviously, as he's played more and played some of these courses that he hadn't played before, um, it, it seems I always see his name moving up that leaderboard. Um, and, you know, he's he's it, it looks to me like he had a great rookie season. Um, but how has he changed as far as his approach to the game, Todd? Oh, wow. That's uh, well, one fitness taking care of your uh, body. Gotcha. You got to take care of your body. You're you know, you're. It's, it's hard to travel so much to be sitting all the time, either in airplanes or cars, or um, you know, you're playing a whole lot more golf. I mean, if you if you do a full week, you're playing Monday in a pro-am, practice Tuesday, you might be playing Wednesday in the pro-am. Mm. And if you make the cut, you're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's learned how to practice better, um, you know, with more goals when he's practicing instead of just going out and hitting balls or hitting pitches and or, or playing. Um He's learned how to use his time better and and to manage, you know, his, manage his body, manages his time, uh, way he approaches things. Um, you know, big thing is working on your attitude. It's a grind out there, and and to be able to, hey, I made a bogey. Let's go get. Let's go make birdie on the next hole instead of I made a bogey right. and I'm mad and now I made another bogey and that that's been a big test because you're playing against the best in the world. <laughs> you better be locked in. But he, he's, he's adjusting. He's doing great. And we're very proud of him. Well, I'm, I know you are. Uh, it's it's just great to see him out there. And it uh, uh, sounds like another great, great field. Uh, know you're looking forward to it. And uh, weather looks decent. We'll, we'll have to see about that. But, Todd, I can't right. thank you enough for taking the time to be with us. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate it. And have another great, great tournament. Thank you very much, Rich, and have a good day. Thank you. Very All right, much. you too. This is Chan Reeves from the Sea Island Golf Performance Center, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're with uh, Dr. Mo, the sports psychologist of the Sea Island Golf Performance Center, and Dr. Mo works with a lot of the pros that are here and a lot of other folks, college, high school kids around the country. Uh, Dr. Mo, thank you for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Podcast. Absolutely. Always love being with you, Rich. Okay, so uh, the last time you and I text, you were in Rome for the Ryder Cup. Obviously, yeah. you were pretty busy. How was that experience for you at the at the Ryder Cup across the pond? Well, other than the final outcome, it was an awesome experience. Um, I had been to other team events before, but as an instructor, not really a part of the team. And so to be included as an actual uh, part of the team. My job was a cart driver. Uh, I ended up mainly driving uh, Jim Furyk around because there was a little bit going on with Netflix that really was out of my, out of my uh, realm of expertise. And so I let uh, Brad handle some of that. I, I rode with Zach a fair amount, but it was, I was either with Zach or Jim Furyk. And um, I mean, it was, it was a fabulous trip. Um, and it was great to be a part of the team and, and being in the team rooms and being in on some of those discussions. And um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and I was uh, very honored to be asked by Zach to be a part of it. And what was going on with Netflix? Cause I know they wanted to film inside the team room, but the team and Zach and the co-captains kind of did not want to do that. So what was the issue then if it was all, you know, settled that they weren't going to get in the team room? Well, it was uh, a little bit was, um, I guess there's supposed to be a buffer uh, on the golf course um, in terms of um, how close they could get in certain places. I don't really know the specifics. I didn't really try gotcha. to delve into it, but it was, it had to do with like, you know, when, when they're not hitting shots and whatever, you know, you can pick up conversation and you can be here. But, you know, if a guy's on the tee box, you know, you can't have a microphone you know, and, and God, obviously Netflix has done a lot of golf already and they know how to do it. And I know several of those guys and they're very professional, but it was when you have that many different groups working together between the, the U S team, the European team, the PGA of America, 
you know, um, it, it just gets a little complicated at times. So, yeah, gotcha. So what was the team room like, uh, during the three days of the Ryder cup? I know they had a couple days to practice. Um, what was the team room like? I mean, it just seems like they were all together. They were, you know, okay, guys, we can do this. And then you had that first day where they got, they got smoked. Yeah. I, I mean, the team room was a lot of eating, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we had some great food and the, and the people there, Marco Simone were awesome. Um, you know, um, so it's, it's basically just who you would think would be in the team. It's, it's the captain, the vice captains, players, the caddies, cart drivers, um, you know, it's, it's a part of the clubhouse, obviously that's been sectioned off. And, um, so, I mean, that was mainly who was in. And then when you had the locker room upstairs where you had like some of the recovery stuff and, um, you know, but so the team room was, was very, um, relaxed. It was very cordial, uh, especially in the first three days, you know, it's just like any other event. If you go to a major or, a or another, um, pro event, you know, on the PGA tour, I mean, basically, uh, as you get closer and closer to competition, uh, things get quote, I guess, more serious and, and guys get a little more quiet and, uh, that sort of thing. But I thought, um, you know, the vibe in the, in the team room and the camaraderie and, uh, everybody, it was uh, very good. Um, and, um, now granted we're not in there a ton. Like I said, we're, we're in there mainly when we're eating and there's, um, kind of a break, uh, cause most of the day you're out on the golf course. Right. So, um, <clears throat> but, and then, you know, Friday morning was interesting just in the case. And, and I've told this to several people, but, um, you know, I think, uh, it wasn't that they want it more and we didn't want it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't come down to desire. I don't believe that, um, both teams really want to win. I think, you know, what happens sometimes is you're going out there and, and the best way I can explain it is for most of these guys, it's the biggest thing they've ever played in. And the next biggest thing are majors and, and without getting into, you know, um, there is a different feel for them, but as you're, as you're getting prepared during the week and you're kind of drawing on your own experience, it's natural to go back to what you've done in some of your bigger events. But the mindset in a major is basically when I go out here, I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to get behind the eight ball. It's a long tournament, that sort of thing. Right. And so, um, and I have not spoken directly with any of these players. So all of this is just me trying to read body language and, and trying to get a sense for what's going on and, and maybe talking with some of the caddies afterward and that sort of thing. But I think that, um, you know, we basically went out and approached it like a major. And I think the European team went out and approached it like a Monday qualifier. And ah. they were much more aggressive. Uh, they were – they were playing to achieve birdies and we were playing to avoid bogeys. I mean, that's the easiest way I could explain it. And so if you look at the first four holes and I'm sure somebody has the stats on this, but the first four holes over however many matches there are four, let's see. So that's four matches Four. Oh, that's 16. So whatever 16 times four is uh, 64 holes out of, out of the 64 opening holes, you know, they probably won 40 something of them. Yeah. And so we, we just got into deep holes. Um, I believe, um, you know, right out of the gate. And even if you watched some of our, most of our players, if they missed, they missed it in the right rough and, and most of them are right-handed. So I don't know if that was tension or if that's kind of a little bit, um, you know, tentative, but, um, you know, we just we just were playing from behind right out of the gate. And and I think I think at least some of that is due to kind of the explanation I was just given. Yeah. Do you think they were playing protectively or trying to aim the ball? I mean, you and I have talked about aiming that that puts too much stress on you. You just need to yeah. let it flow and let your mind not wander and just kind of focus. OK, it's going to break right. We're going to do that. You think they were putting too much pressure on themselves to come back from the hole that they were in? 
Um, maybe, but we, we played pretty good in the second half of the days. And, and obviously we played pretty good in singles and, and it got to a point there where you're like, man, we might even pull this thing out. But, um, I didn't see us doing a ton of aiming uh, on the greens. Um, we got in some trouble with our ball striking right out of the gate. Um, you know, and, um, but I don't know if it was so much aiming as it was probably just like tension or decelerating at impact. Gotcha. That's a common mistake is, is you, you think you want to go ahead and swing full and then right at the last minute, your mind says, Hey, but don't hit this in the right bunker. And you know, you slow down and decent. So, but again, I, I would have to speak with guys individually, which I didn't do. Um, but just kind of talking to some of the caddies afterward and, and I'm, I'm inside the ropes as I'm driving the cart, right. And just kind of reading their body language. And sometimes you would see, I didn't really see aiming and putts, but like you'd have a fast putt and, and we would leave it like short on the low side. And like it, I mean, it ended up maybe four inches from the hole, but it really never had a chance of going in. Right. Uh, right. And um, so I just thought that was, um, you know, kind of indicative of our start is uh, we got behind early and, and so we were having to kind of play catch up and you could make a fair amount of birdies on that golf course. Um, but it was, um, you know, an alternate shot. It just, it just ramps up the pressure when you know yeah. you can't make a mistake. Um, it, you, you don't want to get down in alternate shot. So. Yeah, and and mistakes were made, and it was hard sometimes to come out of those. All right, let's go to Sunday. Prior to singles, you're way behind. Yep. What was Zach like? What were the co-captains like? Uh, what were the players like? I know. I know the game plan was do the best you can. We got to get a lot of points, and let's get out there and start getting them early. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the mindset for everybody was determined. I mean, I don't think anybody felt like it was over. I think uh, everybody felt like, hey, we got to have some things happen. But we, we've we gained some progress from Saturday for sure. And Saturday night was when kind of we had the thing where Cantley played unbelievable down the stretch and and made the putt and all that. Um, you know, so there was definitely some momentum going into Sunday. Really where we got hurt was Friday afternoon. We ended up having three half points. And if we could have had those three full points – I think the whole weekend, you know, might have been different. We still may have lost for sure, but um, we just wouldn't have been so far behind. But I think the mindset of the players was determined. And I think the mindset of Zach and the vice captains was, you know, hey, play this thing out. And if if any person were going out there in one match, do you believe you could win your match? Absolutely. So there's no reason we can't sweep them, you know statistically that's probably not going to happen. And I, I don't know, it's probably never happened, but you got to believe that, okay, yeah, we'll take our guy against your guy. Um, in, you know, in a one day match right. and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't, it was not a defeatist attitude by any means. Um, okay. yeah. So when you win as the captain, you get a lot of praise, great decisions, all that stuff. When you lose, you get a lot of criticisms. Um, yeah. How has Zach, and have you talked to Zach since then, how has he been handling all all the negativity that's come out of that? Yeah, I mean, we yeah, we talked about it, uh, you know, I would say immediately after in the sense of <clears throat> pretty much my job every day was to kind of meet with him in the morning and meet with him in the evenings and kind of go over some notes and give him some thoughts and kind of have some things prepared for him to look over uh, whether he chose to use them or not. Um, so that was kind of my role with Zach. And and so we talked about it immediately after. And then um, that was not a long discussion as you might imagine. And then, you know, on the plane ride back, I wrote down some notes and, and I want to say we got together as soon as like the Tuesday or Wednesday that we returned. Um, and we, and we talked about, you know, some of those things we talked about, um, you know, Friday morning and just kind of maybe being a little bit more aware of that mindset and talking to the guys about this isn't a major and and we got to go play to achieve. Uh, we talked about, I think, um, from a 
locker room standpoint or a culture standpoint, um, if you want to say that, um, what what happens at a lot of tournaments happened um, to some degree at the Ryder Cup where you get more serious as you get closer to competition. And so, you know, Friday morning, maybe we should have had music playing in the locker room or or maybe we should have done things to make it a little bit lighter. Um, you know, uh, the specifics of Zach's decisions, we didn't really go into in terms of who got paired with whom or how he set up his team because I was not really involved with that. Um, that right. wasn't really my role. That was more of <clears throat> him and the vice captains. My right. role was to think more of, you know, what can Zach be saying in this situation? What could Zach go say to this guy, you know, cause we see his match going the wrong way, you know, or are there any things like that? Um, but, but I was not really involved at all in the, in the pairings and at that point, nor should I have been. Cause I mean, all those other guys have, have done this longer than I have. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, you know, in, in terms of how he's handled the criticism, I think he's handled it, you know, uh, the way you would expect anyone to, he doesn't like it. Um, but he knows it comes with the territory. He knew it was going to be there, um, kind of win, lose, or draw. Um, you're going to get more praise if you win and more criticism if you lose, obviously, like yeah. you just said. But I think, um, you know, not my, not just myself, a lot of people advised him not to get on um, social media afterwards and, you know, doesn't really do anything helpful. Um, and, and most 95% of the comments that are made online, uh, are by people who just want to express an opinion, but don't really know the ins and outs and the details of what's going on. Um, so, you know, I, when we got back, I mean, we took some time to process it. We went through, like I said, you know, uh, I went through the notes that I had written down and then it was all about, okay, Hey, well, how do we want to spend our off season and let's go get ready for RSM and, kind of the things that we need to work on in your game to get you prepared for finishing the year strong and then starting 2024 the way we want to start. So, All right. Well, let's move from the Ryder Cup to what you just talked about, the RSM. Uh, interestingly enough, we've got a lot of pros. Zach's one of them. Davis Thompson's another one. You spent the day with Davis uh, working on Seaside. Um, yep. it, uh, tell us how that went. Uh, that went great. Um you know, yeah, I mean, I think uh, having a tournament here is always great. I think Todd and his staff do a great job of running it, and it's Agreed. always first class. And obviously yeah. they got the best host you could have in Davis, but uh, Davis Love. And um, <clears throat> so, but my my day-to-day with Davis Thompson was very productive. We've been working pretty hard uh, on his kind of game from about – 50 yards and in. Uh, he's a wonderful ball striker uh, at, a, at an early age in his career. And, but we've really been trying to hone in on his putting and his short game and that sort of thing. And um, so today we went out and did a lot of short game on Seaside. We just moved from hole to hole. We didn't really hit the longest shot we hit was probably 30 to 40 yards on like 15, getting ready for that par five. And, in case somehow you had to, you know, pitch out or hit it out of a bunker or whatever. Right. But um, we spent a lot of time because we know pretty much where the holes are going to be and um, working on some of the skills and some of the shots specifically that he's been working on getting better at. And um, we didn't, we, we did a little bit of putting, not as much because even now um, we're, you know, I guess three days away technically from Monday. Uh, and then, um, you know, um, the speed will still increase. I would say the speed this morning on the greens was probably in the neighborhood of, you know, 10 pretty, but, but if we get wind out there and they get firm, I mean, they, they get really fast. Yeah. Um, they get up to 13 or more. Yeah, so, you know, we'll focus more on that, um, Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday, uh, and then go, kind of going through the week, but, um, so, yeah, a lot of it today was just, you know, hitting some of the shots that he's probably going to have. You know, that that front pin on 14 on Seaside, you hit it to the middle of the green and that putt's going to be fast. So we did that. And then, you know, a very common place to miss it, let's say on, you know, number four Seaside with a back middle pin as you're not sure about the win and it goes long and you got that 
seemingly kind of vanilla pitch, but you got to cover, you know, 15 yards of fringe because it rolls far out there. Yeah. So just those types of things. And both of the par five greens on seaside seven and 15 are pretty difficult in terms of they have a lot of movement in them. So we tried to hit some shots and, you know, like a bunker shot. Cause you know, this is where you're going to hit it. If you miss, you're going to try to leave it in this bunker and that kind of thing, at least on 15. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was yeah. a lot of that kind of scenario, very specific scenario kind of practice today. Well, maybe this year we'll have a winner from uh, sea Island on the RSM. It'd be nice. We haven't had one yet, but I know we've been close with Chris Kirk. But then he moved, so I want to see somebody from here win this thing. Yeah, that would that would be great. It, you know, it's hard. I mean, it kind of just shows it's, it's hard to play at home, and I don't think it's so much you know the distractions. Although you do have some distractions and tickets and family, I I think it's just guys really want to win, and and they kind of you know get so uh, I don't know what not amped up, but maybe amped up and and a little bit impatient because one of the things that always shocks me is last year, as you remember, it was cold and windy is how low these guys shoot. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the last couple of years, the, the cut has been like four under. And I mean, I would have bet you anything. The cut was going to be one or two on. I mean, yeah. so it's just, yeah. uh, it's amazing uh, when you get a, an entire field of professionals on a great golf course with really good greens, how low they can go. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So. Well, let's hope this is the year. Dr. Mo, always a pleasure. Enjoy talking with you. Thanks for your insights on the Ryder Cup and most of all on RSM. Thanks. Absolutely. Love being with you and uh, look forward to doing it again. Take care, Rich. All right. Take care. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rich Stiles. Go to backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all new Back Nine Boys at backnineboys.com. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more. At Hadwin White Subaru, we believe love is meant to be shared. Together with our customers, we have been able to sponsor and support local charities and nonprofits. Hadwin White Subaru has once again partnered with the Make-A-Wish Foundation of South Carolina for the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. Over the years, our donations have helped grant wishes to children in our local community. Spread love this holiday season and feel the joy of giving back. Hadwin White Subaru, more than a car dealer.